I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Guts. Friends, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Creative Guts. On today's episode, we're talking with Joe Acconi, artist and art educator that's doing some pretty unique stuff in the classroom. We're going to get right into this episode of Creative Guts with Joe Acconi. Joe, welcome to the Creative Guts podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. We are so excited to have you on because I think this is going to be an extra nerdy episode. Mm. That's going to be boring for me. I don't even know what they're talking about. Well, Well, that's the thing. You're going to learn just like some of our listeners. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Sarah's, she can't even speak. She's so alight with excitement. Yes, that's what's happening. The wisdom and knowledge you're about to gain. I'm so excited for you. So, Joe, why don't we start with sort of broad strokes? Who are you as a creative? Will you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I am, I think, first and foremost, an art teacher. I think as a creative, like that rings the most true to me. I would also say like a portrait artist, whether I like it or not, like has just kind of threaded through my work kind of consistently. And I feel like I have some theories as to why, but yeah, yeah. Artist, portrait painter, and art teacher. That's kind of the... What mediums do you work with most of the time? Oil, oil painting and digital as well. So it's a mix. Probably like the low tier on like this, if I were to like make a hierarchy, would be illustration as well. So if there's like... A range. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. And have you always been a maker, a creative person? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, God, if I go all the way back, like my dad and I had a public access television show when I was a kid <laughs> and we would do like crazy special effects like in the apartment and my mom would hate it because we would be setting off like black powder, like little piles of black powder to like create plumes of smoke and stuff. So yeah, we were doing skits and stuff when I was a kid. So Yeah, creativity has been there for a long time. That is awesome. And as far as art and teaching, is that like when you were in high school, what you wanted to do? Or did that come a little later? That was not at all on my radar. (laughs) I kind of like, I don't know, I I feel like life kind of nudged me into it. It, During college, it was, you know, I was really just gunning for illustration. I was focused on sort of genre art, book covers, book publishing, games as well. Again, games coming back. And at various times, people were like, you know, Joe, I think you'd be a good teacher. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to focus on, you know, drawing cool characters and making cool narratives and, you know, trying to get my work out there. But yeah, through various times in my life, I just kind of found found opportunities to teach. People kind of were kind of pushing me into it. And and here I am. So yeah, at some point you must have like leaned into it because now it's like the primary way you introduce yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, we know we were joking about games at the beginning, but Actually, like, I think games are a huge part of why I, like, can teach. I think I cut my teeth on teaching through running games of Dungeons and Dragons. And I have, like, this whole thing about, like, why running a game, like a role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons is just, like, very similar to teaching, you know, (laughs) because you kind of, like, know where you want kids to go, kids' players to go. Um, (laughs) And like the players of this game, like you have a narrative, you have an idea, you have these concepts you want to kind of thread through. 
but you have to like improvise based off of what they want to do. So you get really good at kind of steering, just kind of like going off on tangents, but then eventually folding them back in. And then you offer these incentives in the game in regards to like gold or experience points you can level up. And it's like, as I, the more I describe it, the more I'm like, yeah, like points for accomplishing challenges, like an assignment. And <laughs> it all just kind of like threads through and that kind of threads through my art practice too. It's like the way I think about most things is in terms of like games. And yeah, so that's kind of like a big sort of fundamental part of my philosophy. <laughs> Can you say more about that last part? Sure. About gamifying your art or incorporating games into your art outside of teaching? Well, in, in, yeah, in the most like fundamental, like easy to grab way was, you know, it was great inspiration for, for making artwork. I mean, like all the stories and things that I would try to illustrate was, you know, a huge, just a huge component of, you know, just trying to make these epic moments with these heroes fighting monsters and tense conflicts. But it's, you know, even in grad school, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like I broke up with like painting and, you know, illustration and all the things that I was kind of familiar with. And, and I was dabbling in like sort of performance art in kind of in a non-theatrical sense. Are you a writer too? I mean, as a DM, I would say <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think so. I mean, I do like writing. I write a lot for school stuff and I take what I do write at school very seriously, like as far as like my unit plans, which again, sounds very nerdy. Like I'm nerdy in so many ways, but yeah, like, so I'll like write and research. And I think in terms of, you know, like I learned in school once this quote that like I've never forgotten, which is from Flannery O'Connor. And she said, I write because I don't know what I think until I read what I say. Ooh, I love that. And I'm like, that's so true. It's just yes. gray matter and mush until I actually see it and can respond to it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there's this through line of like stories and characters and stuff and everything you're saying. So, yeah, I don't write fiction stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's a whole craft and I know I'm not. <laughs> I don't think it would work out very well, but I like writing prompts and things though too. Yeah. So. so I'd love to learn more about your gamified learning. Sure. Because when I yeah. first heard of you before I even saw you or met you, Becky Barcy, who is on our board of directors and a former guest, is your coworker. You guys work at the same school, the Dairyfield School in Manchester. And so she was telling me about this really awesome guy who was shaking things up and coming in and had this amazing idea for gamified teaching and how it inspired her to rethink how she teaches and everything. So first of all, shout out to Becky. She's such like a powerhouse mm -hmm. and she's it's such a joy to be able to like have her as a coworker. so i just want to make sure i like shout her out because like she inspires me all the time and she's just like the real deal man i feel like you two working together must be a feedback loop because yeah. you're both just <laughs> very inspiring creative people who have all this energy for educating youth and celebrating art you know i hope that i give back like a percentage of what she gives me because she, yeah, yeah she's just like in the weeds every day just hustling and i'm just like God, you know, I don't know where she gets the energy that she has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's sunshine a yeah. lot. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so like, I forget. Like, so before I went, I got to teach at the Dairyfield School. I was teaching at a range of different colleges. I've taught at the New Hampshire Institute of Art, Framingham State, LaSalle College. And then I've taught at Manchester Community College as well. I was their fine arts program coordinator for a bit. And luckily, over the course of my time there at MCC, they gave me a lot of opportunities to be able to kind of start to create curriculum 
And that was the first time when, you know, actually that comes back to some of the writing stuff. I never really got permission to write like for an actual school. So I started developing stuff. And one of the things that I kept coming back to was this idea of creating content for like, what's the need to know for like a young up and coming artist. And I always felt like too, like the stuff I learned in grad school would have been so useful for me to know in undergrad. So I always tried to kind of like embed that in. And at some point I created a course at MCC. I called it Intro to Creative Practice. And in that course, I created this gamified framework. And, you know, it's gone through different iterations since I've started. And actually I left and some other folks have taught it. And I actually just recently taught another iteration of it at the school. So that was awesome to like come back and see how it's changed and kind of continue to contribute to that. So the course, as far as this game of it goes, I started doing a lot of research into like different grading schemes. So like the idea of like additive grading became a thing. Like I didn't realize it was, I'm sure there are like people who are like actually educated in education probably know about this, but like it's this idea of like gaining points in like over the course of the class. So like, you know, when you start a course, you have a grade and then you kind of like have to protect that average over the course of the term. And so really like it starts high, it starts at like a hundred. And the second you get a grade under a hundred, your grade goes down. So it becomes just like this management of like trying to keep it as high as it can and kind of fight the average. So I became aware of this idea that like, you know, what if you started at zero? This isn't my idea. This is like, like this is all throughout, you know, the education field. But like this idea that you started at zero and work your way up, which can be really stressful for students, especially kids who like literally become paralyzed at the sight of a zero in their grade book. <laughs> but it's okay because I gave them a lot of options. So the idea was, you know, I created sort of a menu of options that kids could choose from. And it was like a choose your own adventure model where, you know, if you wanted to do some sketches and kind of you would get like 25 points for a sketch. You know, and depending on how, like max 25 points. So, you know, you wouldn't always earn the full credit for it. Right. And kids would like level up during the course. And if they got to level 20, by the end of the course, they got an A. And I broke it out based off of like creating things, writing things, researching things, and then like being in the community in some way or like supporting the class. And yeah, it just became like this whole this whole suite of options. And some kids like really, really dug it. Like they were like, oh, I had one kid come up to me like the first class and he was like, I'm going to try to break your game. <laughs> and I was like, dude, go for it. He's like, yeah, I think I'm going to earn this like in like a class. And I've like, played with some players like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. The min matches. <laughs> yeah. The, the munchkins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he didn't break the game. He, yeah. He just like, he tried, he tried, but he, he was a good sport about it. Yeah. So luckily too, like I had a lot of freedom to be able to mess around. And I feel like that's a huge part of teaching that like people, you know, because I feel like very much an, an outsider as a teacher. I, you know, I didn't I wasn't formally trained to teach, but I spent a lot of time just like tinkering and I'm still tinkering. You know, Becky will talk about that a lot, like the stuff that we we have long conversations and usually in the margins between classes. And then we get frustrated because we have to go teach the actual classes we're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, that, I get a lot of joy out of that. I think that's why like from like a design and art standpoint, like the structures of classes really light me up and sort of the social aspect is really exciting to me. And I also happen to draw and paint too. So like I get to do that around drawing and painting. Yeah. It's like a dream. I, I know. Want, I want you to be my teacher. Oh. I want to go back in time. And <laughs> I take feel like classes. This gamified thing would work really well on me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm totally the kind of like 
would love to like watch my grid starting from 100 and going down would bother me. Right. Yeah. But starting from zero and going up, I think I'd be into that. My brain would like sure. that. Yeah. We should get you into Pathfinder. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. We're going to sell you on role playing. <laughs> that on my list yeah. of things to do. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting, though, too, because it like, you know, you can't please everyone and your kids are like play testers. So it's like kind of a challenge. Like, yeah. and luckily, like admin have been largely very supportive of some of these things that I've been playing with. And it, as it turns out, like behind, you know, you know, as you peel back the onion, like we're all just kind of tinkering and figuring things out, sure. which I feel like is just a good example of like what happens in life as like an artist and a student. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, we're all just kind of figuring it out. Yeah, I did not know that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that by the time I was the age that I am now that I'd like have all the answers. I'd have it down yeah. more or less. <laughs> no, I'm still tinkering and evolving and growing every single day. And I'm like, when does that end? It doesn't. It never ends. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm like figuring out. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. So are there themes or adventure settings or other things that are incorporated in your lessons? Becky, tell me about the alien stuff. Yes. So okay. that's what I'm getting at, I guess. Like, you know, is it? you know, the gamified part of it as well is sort of being on an adventure together. Yes, we started, when we first started working together, we had a class called Visual Foundations, where the goal of which was to teach kids sort of some essential visual communication skills. Mm -hmm. And we were like, well, let's try to gamify it a little bit. And it went crazy. Like we were like, let's make this like Mystery Science Theater 3000. Ah, (laughs) my favorite show. (laughs) Like as like a class and teach kids art principles at the same time. We had a ball planning it. Actually executing it was a challenge because we ran up, you know, it's like you're testing things. And, you know, you realize like kids, oh, high school freshmen, like don't necessarily want to buy into role playing as aliens. Like what the heck's up with that? You were just in eighth grade and you love this stuff. And now, but you're, oh, you're, you're too cool Gotta for school cool now that you're in high school, right? <laughs> yeah. But then we, they'll hit their twenties and want to No, I've worked with college students and they're exactly the same. They just look at you like dead in the eyes yeah. and you're like, okay, that's fine. So, you know, sometimes you <laughs> don't get kids, play into my game. <laughs> yeah. You have to like opt in, I think, yeah. in order to make that work really well. But Becky has since taken that structure and she's reskinned it to be pirate themed. And she does that in the middle school. And that's like, oh, the, yeah. the kids love it. Yeah. Nice. So that went really, really well. So with the aliens, I believe the prompt was for if aliens arrived to teach them what art is. Yes. So what is ah! the pirate version of that? Or is there like, I guess like what's the, <laughs> mm-hmm. what ship are we sailing on here? You know, you just reminded me of a bunch of stuff. It's been a minute since I've like really dug in and thought about it. Let me go back to the alien thing yes, first. Absolutely. And I actually probably shouldn't speak to like all the pirate stuff because like Becky's really taken it and run with it. So yeah. you should have her back on just to talk about Oh, yes. Pirate gamification. (laughs) We're actually going to be presenting about it at the National Art Educators Association conference. That's so cool. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, We're so jazzed. Like we have to like get our stuff together and plan it out. And yeah, we'll be up in Minneapolis in April. The themes in the original iteration of that course that Becky and I planned, the alien themed one, was based around this idea that Becky and I were abducted by aliens And when they asked us what we did for a living, we told them that we were art teachers. And they were like, what is that? And we're like, what is what? They're like, what is art? And so we were like, okay, well, you don't know what art is? And they're like, no. And they're they're like, what is it? Is it a weapon? Like, what is this thing? And we were like, it's really complicated, actually. And so they're like, okay, we're going to send you back. And we want you to report back information about art to us. 
and we're going to make you, and I'm forgetting the exact term, but we basically like were agents that could commission other agents to help educate them on what art was. So the students were agents and they formed little pods and they each had roles. And one of them was like the chronicler and they would like write, they would be in charge of like compiling the information we came up with and reporting it out to me or her. And we would then like, quote unquote, beam it up to them. And we would get reports every class, which was really, probably my favorite part. We would get like these reports back from them. Be like, we are really excited about what you've just told us about what color is. We are worried though, because it is like overstimulating our workers and we can't get them back to work. So we would like get these weird little <laughs> reports that I had such a ball writing. Like we would work together and just like, and then we made this whole sub narrative about like this defector named Grobnar, who was like rebelling <laughs> against the supreme intelligence. The kids didn't give a about most of this, I should say. Oh man, they're gonna look back and regret so much Dude. not not like being tickled by all of this. It was so fun, and so like the class culminated in like an event where Grobnar was who we were communicating with. And then they fired Grobnar and they, we didn't know what happened. So the Supreme Intelligence started talking to us and we were like, but what happened to Grobnar? And then suddenly like we would cut like these effects into our slideshows where like static would come up and be like, hey, this is Grobnar and I'm stuck. <laughs> like I need help. And they'd be like, what are we going to do? So like they were like, we're going to beam a bunch of colors up to them and then Grobnar is going to escape. And the end of the class ended up being this thing where each group could conceptualize what Grobnar's escape looked like and we would illustrate it. So there'd be like different moments of like, he would distract the guards, he'd set off an explosion, he'd hijack a ship and fly down to earth. And they could come up with, you know, over the course of the term, kids would earn coins, these credit coins that we had like these Omega symbols on them and everything it was super sci-fi, it was all fun. <laughs> and the group that had the most coins could determine what the canon ending of the story was. Oh my gosh. And yeah. So I just want to point out that like, alternatively, you could have said like, okay, class, please write two to three pages on what is art. Yeah. You know, 12 point font times new Roman. Sure. Double spaced. Like that's the alternative that we're talking about. I here. know. I know. Right. Yeah. yeah. God, you know, come on. kids. <laughs> it was so much fun. Like We really had a ball with that. But, you know, they, they actually ended up like phasing that class out. Just because it just like wasn't working very well. But damn, you know, Becky and I like put a lot into it and yeah. we really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, and, so cool. Um, so yeah, that's like that plus the stuff at MCC was kind of where I was, I've been tinkering and playing. So like a big part of my sort of creative energy goes into me thinking about how I want to structure my courses and what content I want to show. And I have to say like, I like this term right now is one of the best terms I've ever had because I am now teaching a class called the art of world building. Oh, and oh. yeah, dude, it's so much fun. So I have this game called microscope, which is like a timeline building game. And it's just like, it, you just use index cards. It's super minimal. And we come up with like a log line for a world and enough kids signed up. I actually have two sections of it that I'm running. So I'm wow. we're developing two different worlds in two different classes. And we came up with log lines for a world and then we create a timeline. And kids can basically create a period between, like they create different periods. And so it could be like, you know, large swaths of time, like the industrial revolution or the Renaissance, but okay. in this fictional world, right? And then they can create events. And then we end up creating all these events and time periods and we develop like, you know, as wide as this, as long as this table, like all these cards to come and the characters start to show up. And the whole goal of the class is to create a world 
that we then make art for, like concept art for, we generate writing for, and then we create like physical objects and props. Like the school has like 3D printers and we have laser cutters. Oh my God. Yeah. And so like I'm deep in the throes of it right now. It sounds like an art station challenge. Yeah. You know, when they have like make the, you know, the uh, the environment, the keyframes. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, all yeah. the objects and, oh. The kids I have in my class, they're not all like hardcore artists, mm. but that's okay. And it's awesome actually because they bring a totally different perspective. And like I got kids who like can't draw, but they can write and they have good ideas. There's a kid right now who's doing this stuff where he's, you know, he was really excited about this character we all came up with. And it's a big collaborative experience. So he's like, I want to really focus on this character. So he becomes a content lead on that specific character. And he's like, I'm going to go home this weekend and I'm going to film a bunch of skits of his descent into madness. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm like, that's yes. so dope. <laughs> So, yeah, by the end of the class, we hope to have like a dossier that we can like break out and it becomes kind of like this legacy project that we can revisit later on. If a kid wants to write like a graphic novel, we can be like, you can come up with the content on yourself or you can, you know, pull from this world and like recontribute to it. So we're just going to keep. So cool. The goal is that it's going to be like this living document. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a library of all these kids collective imaginations building upon building upon buildings right. like oh right so for the kids who aren't artists like why are they taking this class you know good question <laughs> I, I, some kids were like lit up by like the idea of it the description we kind of talk about like breaking down you know like worlds and like you know a lot of sort of speculative fiction about like what if this happened and yeah. just talk we talk a little bit about like you know, what worlds exist and like, how do they exist? So like Lord of the Rings, Avatar, you know, you know, we kind of break out, like talk about the works that sort of embody those worlds. And then from there, we've, we're building a world together. So like they are accessing it. And I get kids who, who start and they're like, you know, cause I have kids who are hardcore interested and they're there to like nerd out with me. And then I have this one kid who's just like, oh, I don't know anything about any of this stuff. <laughs> but as soon as you give them something, they opt into picking something then I kind of nurse them along while the other kids who are really into it are like off to the races. Yeah. And so the goal is by the end of it, everybody's involved and it's been working. So I'm super pumped. So, you know, talk to me in a couple months when like hopefully we'll have some actual physical stuff. Cool. Yeah. It's like it's, you can't think of like an example of world building that isn't like inherently deeply creative, right. like movies or stories or role playing games or whatever. Like it's really, really cool. And tabletop RPGs is essentially this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, back in the day, like the nerdum of it, like you're a nerd, you're a dork, you're a dweeb. But if you watch movies, if you read books, if you listen to music, like that's people are building their own little worlds. It's just a different version of it. You're doing it more collaboratively. Yeah. And so I feel like, uh, so cool. you know, a lot of mainstream media has made it more acceptable to be supremely nerdy with yeah. those types of things, yeah, like with Stranger cool Things, having yeah. D&D, &D, all that kind of stuff. Cool-ish. You know? Cool-ish. Cool-ish. <laughs> no, it's real cool. It's really cool. Do you have kids that are like outside of school playing D&D, &D, Pathfinder, oh, yeah. et cetera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We And they come up, you know, they kind of like, I feel like it's like a secret society, like <laughs> the people who play and like they're definitely students who like as soon as they mention something about like a d20 or a character yep. or something and then i'm like hmm, i see you yep yep um <laughs> and we also are running a dungeons and dragons exploration block i'm actually get to play D, &D as one of my classes oh. with these kids so like my class schedule it's busy but it's stacked with cool stuff so yeah like, 
I'm having a blast right now. <laughs> At some, you know, more alternative schools, they yeah. have like D&D classes essentially because it's it's critical thinking and storytelling yeah. and teamwork and math. There's so much math. It's everything. It's yeah. collaborative. It's improvisational. It's, you know, tactical if you want to get down to yeah. that, those weeds. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and you can develop a lot of story. Like I, some kids, you know, that I'm working with that have never played before, they're just like kind of, my goal is to make it really accessible to them and try not to like be like, no, you wouldn't do that. Like be like right. just kind of yes and it and like have fun. But yeah, they're, they're coming back with, to me with like backstories they've written on their own. And it's like, you know, getting kids to write at all is a pain. So like the fact that they're like, yeah, you know, this was dumb, but like, here's this character that I came up with. And, <laughs> you know, like, sweet. Sweet. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. I feel like when I started Pathfinder, I want to say six or seven years ago now, yeah. and it's totally changed my life. And I feel like it's given me a little bit more confidence in public speaking and talking yeah. with people and everything. And yeah, it's just, and it's such a fun thing. That once a week, you know, my husband and my friends, we get together, we have a standard set thing. You know, it's our version of church, I guess. <laughs> you know, yeah. but it really does open up so much. It becomes a ritual and you get together with people. And yeah, it's been super powerful. And for me, I think too, like, because I grew up in a really turbulent, difficult place. Like, just like my family dynamic was really challenging. Like, you know, being poor and in a rough area. And like, we would just like... I think I really needed an escape like that to like make it work. And I just happened to stumble into this stuff. My family weren't, were not, they, you know, I didn't like inherit it. Like I'm so envious of some of these kids who like, whose dad was into D and D like my dad wasn't like not even remotely interested, but we were setting off black powder in the house. So that's, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I just think like it kept me out of trouble. I think, yeah. yeah, it kept me like engaged in creativity, even when I wasn't thinking about trying to be engaged with creativity. I think it gives you like this element of you can do things because, Mm -hmm. you know, movies and books are amazing and I consume them in abundance, but you're consuming really. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you produce something after the fact, but you're really just taking something in that someone has made. But when you're, you know, gaming with people in this kind of like improvisational way, you're building upon it and you become the writer and and the storyteller and the actor and everything so that you feel more ownership in going forward and making things. I feel like there's some connection there. There's that switch that goes on in your head. Like people talk about this. This was a part of like what got me interested in um, like non-theatrical performance in grad school was like, I was really trying to break into researching um, play in games in like serious games and like um, the power of that and the potential of that. Like when people play a role playing game, they talk about it. Like they don't talk about it. Like I saw this happen. Like, like, I, like, I, like they don't talk about it, like, in the abstract. They talk about it like it happened to them. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's a really powerful thing. I think, like, you create this sort of theater of the mind and you can do anything you want. And, like, when you un- unlock that potential, it's, like, it's a very visceral experience. Um, yeah. Highly recommend, by the way. Yeah. It's very hard to explain, but I know exactly what you mean. I played in a session where my friend, who is a man, and my husband, who's a man, mm-hmm. my husband played as... Like he was the NPC of the ghost of my friend's dead wife who had come back after this big giant like hurdle, this character development. And I was crying from their interaction. And it was like, I wasn't even looking at my husband. He had become this ghostly woman (laughs) and it was so beautiful. And this, you know, our friend Nick, who is, who, who played this very like, you know, very anime kind of dark character, wicked, but kind of on purpose. Like, you know, he's aware of it. 
And the whole campaign, he was one note, and all of a sudden it all changed, and it just took my breath away. And oh, if you know, you know, it just hits. <laughs> I've cried many a time at games. <laughs> yeah, I've made, I've made a lot of people cry. I just recently made some people cry, and I felt really bad about it. They were like, she didn't deserve that. I was like, it was the dice, dude. Uh, <laughs> Have you done a, to- a total party kill? Have you ever done that? I've never experienced if, it, truly. If, if I ever did anything like that, I probably ran it back. Yeah. Because it was probably something I messed up. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious with all that you do and all of your like creative energy that you're sinking into like the classroom, what it looks like to you to like find time or make time or be intentional about like painting and, and working on your own art too. You know, yeah. Making pictures. That's something that I don't make enough time to do, honestly. Yeah. Like I do that in school a lot. Like I'll draw and demonstrate and, work with students and sketch and and do all that stuff but it is it's not as creatively satisfying as like doing it for myself but when I do sit down to be creative for myself I'm you know what's funny I feel like I'm really contradicting myself it is like writing like I will sit and like I think I think in bulleted lists and I start like blocking things out and making plans and conceptualizing the stuff that like really lights me up creatively is like is world building you know in developing modules like I've, I, you know, I feel like I have this perpetual document that I'm adding to and building and sort of describing like these systems and, and charts and God, you know, it's, it's so dorky, but like, it's something that I love the opportunities that, you know, cr- generating a hundred random things that could be in someone's backpack and then just like rolling it at the table and figuring out like, oh, they had a, a rotten piece of mutton in their backpack <laughs> and a, and a, and a stuffed doll. Like, why is that a thing? And like trying to roll with it. And, yeah. <laughs> It's so dorky, but like, yeah, I keep coming back to that. Like game design has been a real play space for me. Do you get to play? (laughs) (laughs) Are you the forever DM? Because that's what my husband runs into, Mm. which is why for Christmas, I'm going to be GMing a game just to give him a break. And yeah, 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 I'm the forever DM for sure. Yeah, 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 Yeah. but it's all right. Well, maybe we'll hook you guys up and you can take turns so you guys can each play in each other's one-offs or whatever. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah, A little cross-pollination. Yeah. That'd be so fun. (laughs) Yeah. I look at role-playing games as like an opportunity. Like I feel like there's like a medium in there that like needs to be celebrated and explored more. And I do that in little ways in my classroom. Actually, now lately, more overtly, like in this world-building class and and all that. But like I think looking at, at it as like a very serious medium is just kind of at the core of again some of the things i'm interested in another prompt i came up with in grad school was i created this sort of event where i had people come and i was like here's this bonfire bring three objects two objects you want to burn and one object you don't want to burn and then we're going to roll dice to determine what goes in the fire wow (laughs) and god it was so much fun because like as soon as i say that to people they're like oh what would i bring yeah Oh, God, I don't know. Like, how high stakes are we going to go? And the folks that showed up, I was like, I'm going to be here from 10 in the morning to 8 at night. Come bring something. Bring the stuff and we'll roll and we'll find out. And I was like, you can set your own odds. Do whatever you like. And here's some dice. And we'll figure it out. And people came. And some people brought, like, really high stakes stuff. Oh, my gosh. Like, for example, my friend's girlfriend at the time, now wife, brought a keychain that her I think late uncle whittled for her when she was born. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and like that, she, like that went on every set of keys she got over the course of her life. 
it was like move to one to the next to the next and she put that she actually came like as like a part of like a date almost like which mm. is kind of so weird. yeah it wasn't even like deep stakes for her in a friendship with yeah. you <laughs> yeah she was just coming along and she was like i want to participate and so she brought a couple of throwaway things in this keychain and rolled and it came up the keychain and i wasn't like I didn't like take the keychain from her and say like, listen, we got to burn this right now. I was, I was like, kind of like, I took a step back and was like, it's all you, like whatever you want to do. And she just didn't hesitate. She grabbed it and put it in the fire. What? Yeah. She just like tossed it right in and I documented the whole thing. So I have footage and photographs and things of it. And cause I was, I wasn't sure what I was actually going to produce from the event, but that what? was, I know. <laughs> I really do. I can't believe it. And I can also really understand it on a certain level. I'm a hoarder and I have a million things in my house, sure. including a million tiny little notes and cards and little gifts and little tiny itty bitty things all shoved in drawers in my office. And I was going through them and I was like, if I die tomorrow, no one gives a shit about this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's some ex existential dread, I think, tied up in this. But like the thought that this isn't permanent and what we're holding on to, why are we holding on to it? And what is the actual... Like, are you not going to think of said person who gave you that thing? That letting go, being prepared to do that yeah. is like, in theory, I'd like to think maybe there's some level I could do that, but I feel like there isn't for certain things. Well, there sure. was, yeah, no, for sure. I feel like that's like a, a ritual that people do right on the right. Like, it's like something I've heard of, mm -hmm. but like what we did as a sort of a B-side to the project was the next day I went and I collected ashes from the fire and I using silicone mold, I cast, pun intended, I cast the dice in these dice forms and I mixed the ash with resin and created like new mementos that were contain the ashes from the event and I gave them back to the participant. So the project was called Transmute and I did it a couple times. And so people like got their stuff back in a way, but we kind of had this experience together. That's super cool. Yeah, that's beautiful and it has some melancholy tied in there. It's just all kinds of things. I really like that. I remember one person brought a bra because she was like, you know, every good feminist needs to burn a bra at least once in their life. <laughs> and it was just like so many things. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I love it. Oh my gosh. So it is time for rapid fire questions. Okay. Rapid fire. Quick questions, <laughs> quick answers. What other artist has influenced you the most? I mentioned Felix Gonzalez Torres before. He was huge. Also, Rick Ritt Tiravania, an artist who he's known, I think, really well for an art piece he did back in the 90s called Free, where he made pad thai for people in a gallery in Chelsea. And that was the artwork. What type of character is your favorite to play? I know you don't get to play much, oh, but I'm sure shoot. you have. So, like, do you have a yeah. class that you always love to play? Or You know, it depends on the edition. Mm -hmm. But, like, old editions was Wizard because you could just, like, patch together some real wonky things. But late in the recent edition, 5e, it's been Fighter. Oh, okay. Cool. Battle Master specifically. Oh, so, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Do you do accents when you play tabletop role-playing games? Yeah. Definitely. Oh, I definitely God. do. I'm, I'm not too. I'm not doing it here, but yeah, I absolutely uh, would. Yeah. That was going to be my follow-up. <laughs> off, off recording, we'll do that. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Chartreuse. It's also like a drink thing. It's like a herbal additive that they put in drinks sometimes, like at fancy oh. places, and it's awesome. It's okay. like very floral. and yeah, Oh, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite scent? Wood stove. Mm. Yeah, it's got to be wood stove. Runner-up, though, is basil. I love the smell oh, of basil. Oh, yeah. Basil. What's your favorite sound? Like running a bread knife through a loaf of bread. Ooh. 
that's a first. I don't think like a nice that. crusty like loaf. A crusty loaf, yeah. just like yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> so satisfying. What's your favorite texture to touch? Water, like yeah. Love it. I love it. I think that's a first as well. Yeah, right? What's the most inspiring location you've traveled to or visited? I wish I could say someplace like super like uh, well-traveled or something. But I remember in middle school, we went to a place called Nature's Classroom. I don't even know where it was. It was like some camp in New Hampshire, I think. And it was on a lake. And I remember like I got up before everybody and I went outside and I looked out at this lake in the morning and it like legitimately took my breath away as like a little like seventh grade boy like just looking out of this lake and i was like this is the prettiest thing i've ever seen wow it looks like it's in hancock new hampshire which is in the southwest i think it's probably not even that awesome but to me when i was there it kind of it looks it's, pretty it's, cool yeah it blew my mind yeah so i should like, go i should go back and see you should you should impact yeah. <laughs> what is the last new thing you've learned does relearning count yes sure. Because my wife and I have been like working through like all kinds of stuff lately, like the housing market and, you know, wrestling with some challenges, like some real world challenges. And so I have recently relearned that my wife is a badass. Oh, 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 my God. So, shout out to I didn't her. think you could get even cooler, Joe, oh, but you just answer. did. Uh, <laughs> damn. All right. <laughs> Our clincher question. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Read more. Oh, such a good one. Yeah. It would be read more for sure. I get so much out of reading when I do read. I'm not well read, but like, yeah, I just wish I had more denser trail of books in my history. You know, mine would be to record everything you've read, like keep a list because I've, oh, I've sure. read a lot yeah. that I don't remember what mm. I've read and I see an apocalypse book and I'm like, have I read that? Oh yeah, I have. Oh, like, sure. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all, they're all, the covers are all the same, but <laughs> a friend of mine records like everything. Like you write at the end of the year, he does like an unwrapped of his life and he like talks about like all the podcasts he listened to new music, movies, books. He's like, that's so, I'm like, I'm yeah. so jealous of that. I, yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I know I read a really great book like six years ago and I don't know what it is. And I've tried Googling for it a bunch of times and it just, I'm never going to figure oh it out. Oh my gosh. I'm never going to figure it out. I know. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Maybe it's meant to be that way sometimes. Yeah. It's, you know, temporal. Yep. It just floats <laughs> off in your memory. That's right. <laughs> Joe, it was an absolute joy to talk with you. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you again, Joe, for being on the show. And with that, show, show us, us your, your creative, creative guts. guts. Another huge thank you to Joe Oconee for joining us on the podcast. That was amazing. Right? I don't want you to get too excited, but it sort of like changed the way that I think about like role-playing games. Yes. That's what I was hoping and I predicted, but I was worried it might not. So I didn't want to get too excited. The two of you made it sound so like smart and creative and like, I just, I can't believe the like stuff that he gets to do for a living. Mm -hmm. Really big kudos to the administration at the Dairyfield School for being accepting and encouraging of what he's doing. Yes. I think it's a big testament to their open-mindedness for non-traditional education that I think works because the traditional system, it only works for a certain select type of learner. Yes. And to branch out and have more things like this, you know, Joe, your passion and excitement and dedication, everything you are putting your whole heart into 
making these kids use their imaginations. And that's really powerful. Yes, that's so true. And that's so important. And like I said during the episode, like the alternative to what he's doing is like write a two to three page paper, you know, 12 point font times New Roman on like what is art. But like the stuff that he's actually doing in the classroom is going to be like stuff that kids not only like remember and like learn from but they're going to be like talking about it in 20 years and be like oh yeah I had this weird teacher when I was in high school whatever blah 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 it's amazing and Becky Barcy has been sharing some of this with me for a while now and it's so amazing but then talking with Joe and learning about a lot of the thesis you know the thesis project he did that was so powerful and you know I feel like he's just always tapping into these different ways of thinking and communicating which at the heart is what art is about and it really was just Adding another awesome layer. Yeah. And he seems like really, really, really fulfilled, which is just like all you can ask for. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I do hear that from a lot of, you know, public perception and just from people that teaching is exhausting and there's so much unseen work that goes into it. And so having that kind of passion must fuel him to continue on and keep building and growing awesome things. Yeah. And how lucky those kids are to like have him as a teacher. I wish I was in his class. <laughs> So thank you again, Joe, for being on the show and being, you know, the teacher that you are, the artist that you are, and I'm sure the DM that you are. And I can't wait to see and hear about all the cool stuff that you're going to be doing in the future with your classes and with your own awesome art. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to connect with Joe, you can find him on Instagram. His handle is Joe Acone. And as always, you can find those links and more in the episode description and on our website, creativegutspodcast.com. You'll find us on Facebook, on Instagram, at Creative Guts Podcast. This episode is sponsored in part by the Rochester Museum of Fine Arts. Thanks to our friends in Rochester for their support of the show. If you love listening and want to support Creative Guts, you can make a donation, leave a review, interact with our content and social media, purchase some merch, whatever you're able to do, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Creative Guts. Creative Guts.